This week on the Recruitment Flex, layoffs. Did you say layoffs? Layoffs everywhere, and recruiters keep being the canary in the coal mine. Catfishing exists in employment brand. Is your company guilty? And paying 30 cents an hour is never acceptable. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge and I'm freezing my balls off because here in (laughs) Calgary, it's minus 25 and we have like 40 centimeters of snow. How are you dealing with the cold? This is the start of November and we're in full blown winter and the rest of the country still summer, still summer everywhere. It's crazy. How are you dealing with this? I know. Listen, I quite like it. Serge, I know that's weird, but I do enjoy the weather we've got right now up to about minus 20. I don't mind at all. Are you crazy? What are you talking about? How do you like this? Like what's wrong with you? I do. Well, when it gets minus 26, or the wind starts going. But right now we've got beautiful blue sky. Everything's a crisp white. It's not so cold that you can't breathe outside. I actually, I don't mind. I know. I really don't mind. Crazy, crazy. I forgot to introduce you, Shelly. So Shelly, my co-host as always, that loves winter for some reason. I I guess you live in the right place if you like winter. Yes. So how have you been? Like, how are you doing with the cold weather? Not great. I hate it. I'm too skinny for cold. I don't know why I live here. I even left my basement. Actually, I left today because I had to go get my car that I put winter tires on and so freezing, but I'll deal with it, right? We live here. Beautiful snow. We're close to the mountains. True. I, I skate ski sometimes so yeah it's not a bad place if i hated it that much i probably wouldn't live here yeah yeah so listen i wanted to run something past you serge because you know in preparation for us co-hosting disrupt hr calgary i did some research because i recently i've noticed a pretty significant number of director level roles senior manager talent acquisition so it got me thinking What are the actual total number of job postings right now for recruitment? And so what was interesting is I kind of took a look at the lowest low and, you know, what was the highest high? Because remember at the beginning of 2022, there was like, I don't know, 14,000 job postings worldwide for recruiters and talent acquisition. Oh, no, that was just in Canada. Worldwide, wasn't it like close to 200,000? It was insane. You know what? I was trying to dig up the research around what was that actual number? What did it land at? So I went back and I took a look at just in Canada, May of 2020, all-time low, across Canada, 242 job postings for recruiters. In March of 2022, there was a 954% increase. This is just Canada. And just on Indeed, 2,551 job postings for recruiters in March of 2022. What it got me thinking is, if you are trying to recruit a director of talent acquisition, just for shits and giggles, I'll go look at the job posting. Honestly, I don't know what I'd have to see to make me go, oh, isn't that interesting? Because here's my rant. (laughs) Director level role for talent acquisition. As you read through the bullet points, 
almost every one of them says that you will run a full 360 desk. They call you a director of talent acquisition, and they're going to have you actually do recruiting and interviewing. Seriously. I mean, it just screams of how out of touch still organizations are. Like, why would you bother calling it a director? And I just want to ask your experience. I think if you're a director or even a manager of recruitment, as soon as you take on one recruiting assignment, in the eyes of the business, you will never again be seen as strategic. You are immediately moved into, in their mind, administration. Well, Shelly, you gave me this advice a while back when I was at Indeed and I wanted to get back into leading talent acquisition teams. I brought a couple of roles to you and being like, hey, they're asking me to have at least five recs as a director of talent acquisition. And your first thing you said is like, fucking run, don't touch it. And I went into a role that I didn't have recs, but then COVID hit. I had to lay off most of my recruitment teams. This was not in the peak. This was COVID. We're hiring maybe four or five roles at a time. Mm-hmm. That was a full, full-time job. To do it right and do it in the way that it should be, I had no time to do anything else but mm-hmm. recruit those roles. When it picked up again, I was in a very tough position because mm-hmm. I hadn't set up the company to be able to have the right systems, process technology in place. I was playing catch up on all of that and still recruiting. I had to work 80, 90 hours a week to be able to catch up. If I had spent that time focusing on the right things, we would have been in a way better position when it picked up again. You've given me that advice several times when I've looked at different roles and I wholeheartedly agree because it goes to the point of how serious do we take talent acquisition, right? There's Mm -hmm. a recruiter and then there's talent acquisition. Talent acquisition is a very sophisticated role, especially at the director level of how are you leveraging the metrics that mean something to the business that are real? How do you have the right process in place? How are you training your hiring managers and correct interview practices and also selection methods? You have literally no time if you have even a small book. If you are a recruiter in your position that you're going for a manager of talent acquisition, I don't even think it needs to be a director of talent acquisition. If it's a yeah, manager, even at a manager level, yeah, you should not be taking a role that they have expectations that you're going to take Rex. Absolutely. It irks me. You know, when I read these, and I'm sorry to say this, so please forgive me, anyone who's HR in the audience. The argument always is, well, you need to be the one involved with VP level hiring. Uh, No, you don't. As manager of talent acquisition, you can't do both. You can't be involved in fully owning that executive search and be involved in all the strategy around talent acquisition. I'd be curious to take a look at manager or director of sales roles and what are the expectations of those sales managers and directors. Yeah. Like the goal of being a manager and a director is maximizing um, everything that you have. Results through others. Yeah. Results through others of your recruiters that they're doing the right thing. You're giving them the coaching, Mm -hmm. the mentoring, Mm -hmm. the resources. You're removing roadblocks for them. Instead, you have 10 recs. How would you have time to even spend 
anytime with your recruiters because you're burnt out, something's going to drop off. And generally, it's either going to be the candidate experience because you're not going to be on top of it, or it's going to be your team. That's a bad way of managing anything. We would never expect that of any other business division. And to your point, HR will say, well, we do recruitment. Guess what? You're really bad at it. You're bad. If you're doing multiple- They're not actually recruiting. They're not actually recruiting. They're reading resumes and forwarding them on to the hiring manager. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. That's recruiting. Okay. So you mentioned how many recruiter roles there was in March, 2020, then March, 2022. How many recruiting roles are right now? Right now? posted in Canada. 1,377. Okay. So it's still at a decent level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So pre-pandemic, if you remember, let's say October, November, December of 2019, we're still double of what December of 2019 was. December 2019 was 677. This is all of Canada, you know, regardless of level. These are anything to do with recruitment. We're certainly further ahead than we were even Q4 of 2019. Which is good because I think a lot of companies have seen the value in recruitment and how critical it is to your business, especially in the current labor market we're in. I think the numbers are going to drop in the next little while because of the concern for a recession. There's tons of expectations, but... There is a lot of news about layoffs. And as we discussed last week with the AppCast report, AppCast, who has a ton of data, is telling us, look, it's not going to affect every industry at the same level as we think it is. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of scaremongering out there. But then you open up the news and you see layoffs across the tech sector. And the big one dropping today is Meta laying off 11,000 people, which is 13% of their workforce. That's a massive number. Then the other ones, obviously Twitter laid off half of their workforce, 3,700 workers were affected. Stripe, Chime, Open Door, Apple has implemented a hiring freeze. Mm-hmm. Lyft cut 13% of its workforce. Amazon has announced a pause on their corporate roles. The list goes on and on. And there's a couple of factors where I don't think is as scary as we think it is. First of all, if any of those folks are tech talent, they're going to get a job really quickly. Companies who think that they're going to take advantage and get a software developer on the cheap because of these layoffs, you're crazy. I can tell you every recruiter in the tech industry is all over that shit, right? Because there's still a ton of hiring. But I don't think this is an economy challenge. I think this is the culture of tech. When the pandemic hit, there's a big flow of business that came in. And the mentality was like growth at all costs. Higher, 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 because this is never going to end. And they realized that Yes, it has slowed down and you overhired, you manage your business wrong. And now people are suffering the consequences of these tech bros thinking that they're not touchable, that whatever they're going to do is going to turn into gold, not focus on profits, not focus on business fundamentals. And part of it is the VCs were giving them this advice too. So I guess the message here is let's not get overly concerned about these layoffs in the tech sector. I don't know how you feel, Shelly. So Serge, when you and I were in Vegas at HR Tech, isn't that exactly what we saw? Everybody we talked to had just started their job 90 days ago. Yeah. Even product managers, they've got seven months with this company. 
we saw it firsthand. Now, when they start talking layoffs, and again, and I'm being a little cliche here, but it's usually the last in first out, right? So if you've been hired within the last six months, and you were a product manager, well, that's an easy call, because a good product manager, it's like, a year and a half before you even know what you're doing. 90% of the people we met at the booths at HR Tech, they're probably all been laid off. (laughs) Probably. It was this panic. They'd maybe cut too deep and now they're trying to make up ground. Culling of the herd, I think is what a lot of companies referred to it during COVID if they were going to do layoffs and blame it on, "Mm, we don't know if the business is going to survive the pandemic little bit of rats fleeing off a sinking ship, rather than really thinking about, you know, at all costs, we need to save these key roles throughout the organization. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm not feeling the ground moving underneath my feet. I think these tech layoffs uh, doesn't surprise us at all. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a bunch of HR tech layoffs. I believe Eightfold did some layoffs. Yeah. I think Indeed is offering voluntary, redundant job, something only in the US, but. Yeah. The one that I'm watching very closely is Twitter. And the reason I'm watching Twitter, first of all, Elon Musk is just a fucking magnet of shit. He just causes that. Thinking everything else that he's doing out of the discussion Say he wasn't doing that. He lays off half of his workforce. And what happens if it's successful? Companies see Twitter and being like, maybe we did get way too heavy with these roles that actually don't have a positive impact to our business. And by cutting 50% of our staff, we run exactly the same. There's no issues. Our revenue is the same. And Meta is going to be another example, right? 13% for that scope of size of company. It's a big chunk. 11,000 people gone is massive. How is it going to impact what they're doing? Are they going to be able to achieve the same thing with less staff? The one thing is people get scared when they get layoffs and other executives think, oh shit, what happens if the economy does slow down? Am I too heavy? And they're going to use this as an excuse to your point, call the workforce of people that maybe are not performing or they don't like. This is a perfect reason for me to lay off those people. The word of caution here is do not lay off your whole recruitment team and get in the same situation when you need people. There is so much that you can do, especially the leaders and recruiters in the time frame that you are down in business. Instead of having 20 roles, maybe they have five and they work on other stuff that brings value to the organization. Because I'll tell you, 90% of companies out there still have fucked up talent acquisition department. They still don't know what they're doing Mm -hmm. because no one has time to work on minutes slows down. They lay off everyone. So it just stays the same. Then they rehire and nothing has changed. Word of advice for any CEOs listening, please don't lay off your whole recruitment team. Just lay off the shitty ones. (laughs) Well, today something just caught my eye, just even as you were talking. So sorry about this, but Elon Musk has already doubled back to say he let go some people a little too swiftly. So he's backtracking on some of the layoffs to say, oops, I didn't mean you. (laughs) I meant the other you. He did move a little too quickly. And you're right. I love your message, Serge, that taking a look at who's really valuable 
and take this opportunity to let them build something. Unless you're planning to be out of business in the next six months, you're going to need your recruiters again. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to be a recruiter at Twitter right now. Let's just say that Twitter is going to be a shit show. It's it's going to be one of the most fascinating things to watch because basically every management principle that you've ever learned in school or even in practice, Elon Musk is doing the opposite. (laughs) And will it work? I guess we'll see. And I think that's a perfect example. If you're going to do layoffs, Mm -hmm. you should have an in-depth process to make sure you're making the right decision. What's the (laughs) motto is like, move fast, break shit. That's what he's doing. Like yeah. he's trying yeah. to create a big culture change. But that brings me to one of our recruitment insights because we okay. are hearing a lot about these layoffs. And mm-hmm. as recruiters, a lot of us are going to keep our jobs, right? And we're still going to need to recruit. What happens in this particular case, it's all over the news. How easy or hard is it to recruit when all you're hearing is this company is laying off people? I, I think it brings a good discussion point of what can we do as recruiters because we still need to hire people similar to salespeople you still need to sell right it doesn't matter if your company has done layoffs so it's reading an article that gave a couple of good advice as you're going through the process and wanted to share one of the things as you bring hiring managers or bring leaders into the process this is a very sensitive time bringing those leaders are like We play hard and work hard and we're just going to break shit. This is not the right leader that you want to bring into these interviews. You do want to bring in what they call the warmer leaders, the ones that are more diplomatic. They keep groups together and they focus on building deep personal bonds, even with candidates they're interviewing. They're really giving the company face a personality of, hey, this could be a really good place to work. They actually care about a broader mission. The other advice was speak to the frustration that people had at their previous employers. Yes, there's layoffs, and you could put that in the context. We're doing it because it's going to help in this case, but it still doesn't change the approach, right? People are looking for the trigger points that they want to change. If you speak about their frustration at their current employers and leverage that to your advantage, being like, okay, you're telling me there's a lot of bureaucracy at this company. We're actually very lean and agile. We only have one layer of management. You're now telling a story that's making sense to them. And maybe I will risk, even though there's been layoffs here to go to this company. Those were two points that I wanted to focus on when it comes to recruiting in times that your companies are doing layoffs. Any thoughts, any additional points you'd like to bring in there? Yeah, I've been in that boat where there was hiring freeze. And yet we still needed to recruit because you can't stop your momentum on critical roles. My approach has never changed. It's just be honest with people that yes, we have done layoffs. Unfortunately, it happened two weeks before Christmas. However, there's an honest communication that the people that were laid off we're in this category or this department, and it's not affecting that department. Probably the biggest bullshit I'll call out about this article was to try and gloss over the fact that reductions in workforce is about bottom line and profit. And this article was saying that you should gloss it over and say that it's not about money. It's helping the company preserve enough financial capital. Are you fucking kidding me? Who is the company? The company are the human beings that work every day, that actually create something and build something that you can sell. To think that people are stupid and they don't realize that 
if you've gone into layoff mode or cost cutting, you are doing this because your CEO gets a $20 million bonus at the end of the year based on the P&L. Don't treat people as stupid. They yeah. know damn well, especially when you do it in Q4. Oh my God, who's got the most at stake? It's your C-suite. Why else are they laying people off in December? Heartless, right. heartless. And we see it across the board. There are certain situations in the tech sector where mm-hmm. they're... I guess incompetence has caused them to have to lay off people because if they don't, the company is going to go out of business or be mm-hmm. in a very weak position. It does happen that you need to lay off yeah. people because your company is not going to survive. But to put it in a point that it's not about the money is crazy. Like does Meta, like Meta, I think they have $500 billion in the bank. Uh-huh. And you're going to tell me this is not about saving money. Come on. And we're not going to buy that argument. Please. Yeah. No, it's somebody got a little carefree and loose with the hiring mandate. And we've got, you know, an extra 13,000 people that we don't need. Yeah, exactly. Right? Just poor management. So, a lot. You of know, time. I think that leads beautifully into this next article of companies that are intentionally catfishing job seekers. I know it's hard to believe, but there is an actual study done of over 1,500 U.S. workers that they have then reported that what the company was promoting or advertising was not it at all. In fact, it was just the opposite. You know the term catfishing, right? Trying to say you're something that you're not, like if you're not worried about the profitability of the company and saying, oh, this is for the health and the preservation of everyone versus, no, this is purely about us making money. You need to be honest with people because Uh, what this study proved is it's going to blow up in your face. I think we've seen that blow up in the face of many companies in the last two years, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, In a tough labor market, they feel like our message, our employment brand and our employee value proposition that we're putting out there Let's just enhance it. Let's just make it look better. Because everyone else says that they have puppy Mondays or no, what is it? Puppy Tuesdays. (laughs) We're going to bring in kittens on Wednesdays. Yeah. It goes exactly to that example. There's two things. It's the message and how your jobs ad are created. And I think you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we try to be overly creative with just shit. And this is where being very specific, what you offer is the right thing to do. If you have a really good benefits plan, highlight why it's really good. Put it out there. Let the candidates make the decision instead of being like, world-class leading benefits and you go in and you're like, well, this is way worse than the company I work for, but you didn't realize as you're going through the job process until you sign the offer and you get your benefits package and you're like, oh shit, this is really bad. Two things. There's the messages that we put out there in our job ads, our career sites. And then there is recruiters, recruiters under intense pressure to fill roles at shitty company with bad reviews they're going to oversell what they're actually doing. And James Ellis' example is, if I promise you a full day of cuddling with puppies, and on your first day you come in and you're like, actually, it's not a full day. It's a half day of cuddling with puppies. Still amazing, right? Like who doesn't want to cuddle with puppies? But Mm -hmm. now you feel deceived. You feel, I have made the wrong decision because they promised me this and it's actually not the reality. So it's recruiters 
we have a responsibility to tell the truth and what the actual experience is. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you bash the company. You still need to sell why it's great to work there. The only difference, it has to be actually true. Yeah, Um, own it. Yeah. I mean, if your company says you'll have lots of autonomy, when what that really means is you'll have no support and no training. Yes. Expect to Google how to do everything. (laughs) Yeah. And some people love that, but not everybody. No, I love that. I love to be the chief Google officer in a company. People just come to me with questions and I Google it and give them the answers and I'm brilliant. But if we look at the great resonation, but also kind of a play that people were going back to the other companies. Well, the reason that happened is they got oversold and they realized it wasn't what they were told and then they came back. And yes, I know catfishing really well, Shelly. That's how I got my wife because (laughs) I sent her a picture of Jason Momoa when we showed up on a date. She's like, you're even better looking than Jason Momoa. So I guess we'll keep this date. That's what happened. That sounds true story. I'm sure. True story. Yeah. Uh, So Shelly, in the world that I'm in, I deal with a part of Canada that is not reported or we don't know a lot about. There's a news article that came up in my feed about New Brunswick, which is my home province. Mm-hmm. That I thought was fascinating. I had no clue this happened. In New Brunswick, there was actually old legislation that promoted inclusion and diversity of people with disabilities in the workplace. People could hire people with intellectual disabilities or mobility disabilities and Pay them $40 a week for 35 hours. There's nowhere else in Canada or the U.S., and I might have missed states in the U.S., that has anything like this. It was a little bit shocking when I read it because I'm like, what do you mean $40 for 35 hours a week? They were hiring in under the guise of, well, they're not going to be doing anything anyways. This will get them out of the house and gives an opportunity for people to do work and have a purpose in life. This is how it was positioned. My first thought is looking at it, well, this is like pure robbery. How can you do this? How can you feel comfortable doing it? And I talked to a business owner in New Brunswick and basically his message was companies would leverage this as a way to do good for the community because these people would never get hired. They take a lot of training. They take a lot of time. They don't have a lot of capabilities. So they're not producing much, but this is giving them some type of purpose in life. We're happy to spend the resources of people to help them train and assist them. But if you move these people to the minimum wage, which is $13.75 in New Brunswick right now, no one's going to hire them. They're just not going to have a purpose. That is the counter argument to not changing this. The legislation has changed, but I felt that you would have very strong feelings on this. So I wanted to talk to you about it. Wow. Yeah. So when you shared this article, I immediately started combing through New Brunswick labor standards. Where and how is this even possible? I was absolutely floored. And the only reference I could find was that the province had allowed an opportunity for persons with disabilities to be receiving what was called a stipend for work. The other side of that belief was that these individuals had 
pretty significant government support dollars. Here in Alberta, we refer to it as AISH, but it's basically you are unable to work and AISH pays for everything in your life, your medications, your rent, everything is paid for. And stipend or what came down to 30 cents an hour was to ensure that it didn't impact the other government benefits that they were receiving. Because if you were earning minimum wage, you would have to declare that and it thereby reduces your eligibility for AISH. I do get this whole circle. But what absolutely just galled me was the counter argument that they are altruistically doing good unto the community. Like they are some sort of God complex that this is my way of giving back to the community is by taking advantage of people. Because if I had to pay them minimum wage, I wouldn't have hired them. I just thought this is like 1890s thinking. And I don't care if it's New Brunswick, any employer anywhere that would take advantage of someone, if they're able to perform the job, yes, it may take more training, but are they able to perform the job? And do you have work that they're capable of doing? And I had this discussion over the years, countless times, because if you take, say, a whole task, what part of this series of tasks can you break it down to where someone can do those tasks and enable other people to do more complex tasks. It's no different in any workplace, disabilities or not. Some workers are really good with more complex tasks than others. It doesn't mean that I should be paid below the minimum wage. Oh, especially not at this level. And the example in the article was someone that is fully capable of working and providing true value to a company, and they were still paying her 30 cents an hour, which is just highway robbery. But the other side to it- it's immoral. It's immoral. It's it's immoral. It should be illegal, which it will be now, thank God. When we talk about that God complex, it's the same person that says, we can't find any workers. No one wants to work anymore. And we're talking about- a large workforce of people that are quite mm-hmm. capable, giving them the right, to your point, the right job, the right task, being a little creative, how you can leverage these people and actually pay them a wage that if At the least- government needs to subsidize the rest due to these people, well, subsidize the rest. But right now they're using that excuse. Oh, they're getting money anyway, so we don't need to pay them. We're just going to take this free labor. I've been saying this for, I don't know, six months. Those undiscovered talent pools that we're not taking advantage of, disability is a massive one. Uh, And I'll tell you, since the pandemic, we've seen a massive increase of those people getting hired. They now have the capabilities to do jobs that maybe they were getting discriminated in the past for whatever reason, but now they're at home or whatever the case is. But as employers, we are going to be in the shortage of staff. I don't care if there is a recession of recessions that we've never seen. There is just not enough people to do the work that needs to get done. Why are we not thinking outside the box of, hey, here's a group Absolutely. that will do everything yep. for this company. They'll be extremely loyal. They mm-hmm. will work hard. They just want an opportunity and paid fairly. So New Brunswick, I guess, 40 years too late, but... It is what it is. I'm glad they're changing it now. So another exciting week of the Mm. recruitment flex. 
anything exciting going on for you the rest well, of the I'm week? I'm excited or... about next week. We've yes. got some really fun stuff coming up. So please don't miss the episode that we're going to release on Tuesday. We've got some great topics to discuss and a special guest. So I'm excited about that. Yes. And Disrupt HR hosting Thursday next week, is it? What a perfect storm for us <laughs> to yes. be in a room full of HR people. And the whole point is being disruptive. This can be so much fun. Right. I don't know if they're going to like our Ricky Gervais Oscar hosting uh, <laughs> approach to this, but we'll see. We'll they see. will. That's why they're there. Like, don't come if you're easily offended. Okay. Just cancel your ticket now. Somebody else will buy your ticket. But if you are easily offended, don't go. <laughs> Shelly, don't you yes. think there's going to be some people offended? We're putting in a room a bunch of HR people. There's going to well, be someone offended. Well, I'm warning you now then. Listeners out there, tell your HR folk, don't come. If you're going to be a Karen about this, this is not the place. Not the place. Well, like I care. Anyways, <laughs> Shelly, have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. And thank you for listening, everyone. Okay, bye for now. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.